The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John and Peter and, 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 and uh, James, John's brother, they all witnessed Jesus in His glory. You remember in the transfiguration in Matthew 27. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. John testified of seeing the glory of God in Jesus. This was an eyewitness account, just as John the Baptist testified. John could say, I saw his glory, the glory belonging to the only begotten of the Father. The word beheld that is used in this passage is stronger than the words saw or looked. John tells us that he and the other disciples carefully studied the glory of the word made flesh. The glory of Jesus was not an adrenaline rush and certainly not a sideshow. It was full of grace and truth. His glory should not be taken lightly. He is God Almighty. Now here's Pastor Rob. Something different was going to happen. I thought you were going to be my slave. And now that I see that I actually got to invest something, I'm out of here. That's the way America is. It's the way many... Marriages are in America, and even in the church. This is why we have to understand this love of God and his character. Your life has a purpose. Each one of your lives has a purpose. Are you interested in finding out what that is? Seek the Lord. That's what I did. He's showing me, and he's doing things that were beyond my control. I could never, (laughs) there's no way. It's impossible for me to do anything of any eternal value, but through God who works in me and works in you. Love that about him. Notice in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. The new birth is the will of God. It's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And there is nothing in man that naturally craves God. Nothing. It has nothing to do with human desire. It has nothing to do with heredity. When you're born again, it is of God. He initiated, and we simply respond from his initiation. That's what worship is. That's what worship always is. God does, and we respond. We worship because of what he has done. He first loved us while we were yet sinners. And as a result of that, I respond back to him because of what he initiated. That's what worship is. Worship, it doesn't originate even in me. 
I'm simply responding to what he has already done out of thanksgiving and gratitude. That's where worship begins. Notice, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, Jesus' deity is the most significant truth in the universe. Along with this verse, and along with the very first verse, the word was, in the beginning was the word, the word was of God, the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. These things are the most significant things in all of the Bible, some of the most significant truths of the Bible. And the word became flesh. What did John say in his epistle? He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, notice, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That's what Jesus is. And John says, We bear witness to that. We saw him. We handled him. He wasn't just some phantom, as the Gnostics would proclaim. He was God in the flesh. I handled him. Thomas could see I stuck my finger in his wounds. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The mystery of the incarnation, how awesome it is. This is the truth that Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science Cult, did not comprehend. She said that there's no way that God can be manifest in the flesh. That was, her, that was what she believed in. But yet, Colossians, what does it tell us? It says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And in Timothy, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Kind of blows holes in her ship. The gospel, the truth of the gospel, blows holes in all of the ships. Nothing stands next to the word of God. Everything must bow. My knee bowed to him, and it's continuing to bow. How about yours? You still bowing your heart and your knees to the Lord? You know, there's something, again, not to be legalistic or anything, but there are times when I come up here, I, I like to come up here on Saturday nights for a couple hours to study and pray before the service on Sunday morning. And one of the things I love to do is sometimes I just get on my knees and I just pray. And there's something about that position. And again, you can be praying in a long chair. You can be praying in a chaise lounge. And often I pray with my feet up. But sometimes I just get on my face and in my office and I just pray and I thank him. And I just worship him. And there's something about that. Physically putting myself in that position as if I'm before the throne of God. Because if I was really before the throne of God, that's the posture I'm taking. He was tabernacled. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is literally a Greek word that means to be tabernacled, to be clothed, to be clothed. 
And this word is only used like five times in the, in the New Testament. And when you think about the Old Testament tabernacle, it was clothed with badger skins. It wasn't a very attractive-looking external. And it was mobile. It was, they moved it from place to place as they went. And it's, it was a shadow of the permanent. The temple was permanent. The tabernacle was not permanent. And Jesus was tabernacled in human flesh. But yet, that wasn't the permanent thing for him either. He received a new body, but he moved around as well. And in Isaiah, what does it say? For he, grew up, uh, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, just like the Old Testament tabernacle that was very mobile, this tent, this tabernacle. He became flesh and dwelt in human flesh. He was tabernacled in human flesh. And Isaiah tells us that there was no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus didn't come on the scene with his golden locks and looking like, you know, the most fabulous, good-looking guy out of Hollywood. No, in fact, he was just a very plain fellow. You could walk right by him and not even know he was there because the beauty that was in him was inside. That's a whole message in itself. But the mystery of the incarnation, Isaiah 7.14, Behold, the, the, the definite article, the virgin shall conceive. Not a virgin, but the virgin. There's only one virgin who has ever given birth. That's Mary. It never happened again, and it never will. The virgin shall conceive. The mystery of the incarnation recorded for us in Isaiah And the mystery, you remember, was fulfilled when the angel Gabriel came to Mary when she was in Nazareth and told her that this very thing that was growing inside of her was of the Holy Spirit. It was Joseph had nothing to do with it. And that's why the big scandal was such. Can you imagine the people who grew up around them and the parents of Mary and Joseph and, you know, and all their families and people who knew them? Oh, yeah, right. It was by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, great. I believe that. You know they were doing that because they're thinking all these two young people, they just couldn't control themselves. Hmm. Not true. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John and Peter and and, 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 and uh, James, John's brother, they all witnessed Jesus in his glory. You remember in the transfiguration in Matthew 27. Jesus was transfigured before them, and there with him was Moses and Elijah, and then Peter, which normally he does. He opens his mouth. Lord, let's build three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. And then a voice came over and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. In fact, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16 and 18 Says, for we did not follow, and Peter writing says, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables when he made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice to him came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. They beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the embodiment of grace and truth. 
unmerited favor and truth. And notice in verse 15, John bore witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, if we look in Luke chapter 1, didn't, didn't it say that John was born six months prior? It does. He was born six months. He was six months older than, than Jesus in the flesh. But yet John is saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. He's again acknowledging Jesus' preexistence. Meaning that even before he was born in the Virgin Mary, he existed. John had that understanding. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad for Jesus, because what does the law tell me? The soul that sins shall surely die. Merry Christmas. (laughs) The soul that sins shall surely die. Boy, that just gives me a great boost of self-confidence. That's the law. The law tells us that we're condemned. But yet Jesus comes and says, you believe in me and you'll have everlasting life. What did Jesus say? For God so loved the world. He loved the people in it. He loved the world that he, might, that he gave his only begotten son as a gift. He gave him, God the Father gave him as a gift so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through the, that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him might be saved. He's the faithful and true witness, the Bible tells us. And notice verse 18, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. No one has seen God at any time. Now you may say, well, we see Jesus. The apostles saw Jesus, of course. They saw him. They saw the Son of God. But God the Father is spirit. What does it say in John 4.24? God is spirit. And they who, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And 1 Timothy says, Who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light? That's God the Father. Whom no man has seen or can see. To, him, to whom be honor and everlasting power. In John 6, 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who was born from God, or he who was from God, excuse me, he has seen the Father. And he's also declared him to whom he wills. Jesus is the only one who can declare the Father. That's why he would say to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Bible says that if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. But if you have the Son, you have the Father and the Son. People can say all, all day long that I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. Well, it doesn't work that way. It's a package deal. If you believe in Jesus, you get the Father as well. But if you only believe in the Father and you deny the Son, you're still lost in your sin. So when somebody comes and says, well, I believe in God. Well, who is your God? I, Allah. Allah is an idol that Muhammad put in Mecca. He's a moon god. He's he's a demonic being. That's who he is. 
He's not Jesus. And notice, no one has seen God at any time, but the Son, Jesus, He has declared Him. Literally, He has considered out loud. He has rehearsed. He has told, told. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, it says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, Jesus said, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Aren't you glad that as a Christian that Jesus has revealed the Father to you? That's what gives us the great privilege. <clears throat> Excuse me. In, John's, uh, in Jesus' high priestly prayer again in John 17, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and those who have known that you sent me, and I have declared, notice, to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. That is a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. The Lord declaring this, the Father through the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Do you see how they're all linked together? The Trinity, the thing that we really can't imagine, we really can't put our mind around, but yet it's true. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all have different roles, but they are all equal. They are all one God. There's not three, there's one. One times one times one still equals one. His grace and His love is multiplied to you and I. His character is multiplied to you and I. So, do you believe the testimony of the Apostle John concerning who Jesus is, who we've looked at in these first 18 verses? Next week, we'll look at the ministry of John the Baptist. Very important ministry. And it was a short ministry, too. Sometimes we think that Ministries, because of how long they go on, they must be really important. No, not necessarily. Sometimes the shortest ministries are the most important. Sometimes the longest ministries are just pumped up by the flesh and the goodwill of people. It doesn't necessarily mean anything that a ministry has gone for 30 or 40 years. It could be all the flesh. And that happens. And yet the shortest ministries, then, as Americans, we think, oh, that poor guy. He was only in the ministry for six months. Unaffective. And the Lord goes, oh, really? What he did in six months was more important than you'll do for your entire life. (laughs) Sometimes that is the truth. He doesn't want it to be that way. God wants your life to be fruitful. But are you going to believe the testimony of John, or are you going to believe those in higher learning in the colleges and universities, who don't know who God is. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't even care. Who are you going to believe? Someone who has the Spirit of God in them or someone who does not? I would rather have a youngster with the Spirit of God in him or her speaking to me and sharing with me than 500 or 500,000 intellectuals who have all the degrees, all the pedigrees, who have tenure, and I've written many books. Oh, and you can get their podcast too. God looks at that and he goes, it's nothing. So how important is it that we believe this record? It's everything. Everything that we are and are about 
is wrapped up in these truths that we just read today. And if we believe them, happy are we and blessed are we. If you do not believe those things, there is no way that you can be born again. Because if you don't believe those things, the Spirit of God is not in you. But if He is in you, and you believe those things, happy are you. And happy are we, privileged are we, blessed are we to share that truth with others. Amen? Love it. What a great thing it is to know Jesus. That He is God in the flesh. And He paid the price. You see, He had to come. He had to come in the flesh. We know that there were pre-incarnate visitations. And even after his resurrection, post-resurrection, there were appearances of him. But he had to come and be born in human flesh because he had to experience and identify with you and I. That's why the incarnation was necessary. He didn't just say, well, I'm just going to wave a magic wand and everything will be all right. No, he says, I've got to come in human flesh and I've got to experience. He was in all points tempted as you and I are yet without sin. He had to experience the temptation of the devil himself for 40 days. He had to experience everything that you and I have ever experienced. And then to pay the price sinless on the cross. He had to do it. There was no other way. In fact, wasn't that his cry in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane? If there's any other way, Jesus knew there was no other way. If there's any, any other way for this to happen, Lord, I'm all for it because, you know what, I'm not looking forward to the pain. And more importantly than the pain, I'm not looking forward for you, Father, turning your back on me on the cross. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted of God. I think that was what he was loathing more than anything else. The pain was certainly bad, don't get me wrong, don't want to underestimate that, but to have God, his Father, for the first time in all of his existence, in eternity past and eternity future, this single moment was the most horrifying thing that he's ever experienced. And that's why he could say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew very well why, but it still didn't, Keep him from saying it because what he experienced on that cross was unlike anything, any other human being who's been crucified in history. Because what you couldn't see was what was happening in the spiritual realm. Many people, thousands of people, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of people in history have been crucified, but only one has taken the sin of the world on his shoulders. Nobody has ever done that, and he did it once and for all. Amen? Amen? Let's glorify him. Glorify him in your life and everything you do. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, we just thank you for this uh, opportunity to get together and to read your word, Father, and to understand these, these, these very wonderful truths, Lord, that are, that are so fundamental to our Christian faith, Lord. Encourage us this week, Lord, and may we share this truth with others. Because they need to hear it. We needed to hear it. And you got us, Lord. You got us in your net. And we're so glad to be caught. So glad to be caught in your wonderful net, God. Please, Lord, bring a harvest. And help us to be willing to go out into that harvest. And to lead others. And to love on others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.